Welcome to the Revolutionary Stewardship Podcast. I'm your host, J.D. Shears, a pastor, certified kingdom advisor, certified stewardship instructor, and an investment advisor representative. We will be discussing topics such as biblically responsible investing, estate planning, and wealth transfer that will benefit you as an obedient steward. Christianity is revolutionary. Shouldn't your stewardship be as well? This broadcast is brought to you by the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Over the last several podcasts on revolutionary stewardship, we've discussed life insurance, and most recently we discussed an emergency fund. And just to recap the life insurance conversation and emergency fund, uh, life insurance is the building block of a financial plan. It allows a financial plan to be self-completing in the event that you don't live through the length of your financial plan. Uh, it, unfortunately, that that is a, a possibility. Um, you know, we don't know the number of our days, and we should be prepared uh, as if this is our last day in regards to financial planning. So, life insurance is a self-completing aspect of a financial plan. For example, you know, I want my kids to go to college. They're you know eight and ten years of age. I want to make sure that the mortgage is paid off. I want to make sure that there's no debt. I want to make sure that my my surviving spouse uh, doesn't have to remarry out of need. Uh, that there's uh, you know income coming in, uh, and life insurance does that. Okay, so the second step of this pyramid of a financial plan is having an emergency fund. The emergency fund is absolutely critical um, because things happen. Uh, we just look at the pandemic uh, here in 2020. Uh, there were a lot of people that were living without a an emergency fund. Uh, that uh, whether they were in retail or maybe food service, a non-essential business, uh, they were going without paychecks before you know the stimulus check uh, arrived or direct deposit arrived. I know there was a subsidy to unemployment, uh, but there's still a, a time period involved there. Sometimes you know a month, month and a half, two months uh, that that. Uh, you, it's difficult if you don't have income coming coming in, uh, and an emergency fund kind of bridges that gap. Now, here's uh, here's where I want to answer the questions when someone tries to poke holes in the first two building blocks of the financial plan. So, a question that is commonly asked in regards to to my uh, uh, counsel in regards to making sure the the foundation of the financial plan is leverage insurance okay life insurance health insurance property and casualty insurance maybe long-term care insurance um insurance is it's it's using a little to buy a lot right we don't wish that you die we don't wish that you have a car accident we don't wish that your house burns down you know we don't wish you go to a nursing home but in the event that you do we should be financially prepared and insurance is Normally, the best option. Most people are not, uh, or do not have the ability to self-insure uh, those types of events. So the question that I often hear is um, from other other advisors: is well, the first thing that needs to happen is you need to pay off your debt before you do anything else. People, that's wishful thinking. Okay, sometimes it takes takes years to get out of debt. Right, takes years, especially when a person is paying minimum uh, monthly installments on a unsecured credit card. Now, 
and I'm not going to give this as advice, but a lot of times the unsecured debt, you don't have to pay back at death. The credit card companies don't like uh, people like me to say that, but there's some truth to that. But the secured debt like a mortgage or, or car or college loans, those things are not forgivable. So I know people that, that um, are physicians, uh, attorneys that are in their 40s and still paying college debt. If, if they had followed the advice of, of some people that say you, can't, you shouldn't be buying insurance or, or creating an emergency fund until all your debt's paid off, they could be 20 years into their adult life and never have the critical, or critical component of protection in the event that they you know, pass away from an illness or an accident, right? So how do we, how do we approach that? What, what is, you know... It, it, it's a fine line of, of right and wrong. So I think it really depends on your particular situation on how you approach it. My opinion is when you have high debt, right, high debt, that, that we probably use term insurance uh, for that component of your financial plan to make sure that, that, you know, if something happens to you, that you don't saddle somebody else, a surviving spouse, uh, or your estate with that debt, all right? It, it doesn't do any good. Now, listen to me, people. It doesn't do any good to think that your 401k is your uh, um, financial plan. All right? And, and let me explain here. So let's say that you've worked at a, uh, a hospital, maybe a government job. What? It doesn't make a difference. Let's say you've got a quarter of a million dollars in your 401k. And you got uh, life insurance through your group health plan that pays maybe one times or two times your salary. All right? But you look at your mortgage and you, you know, you just took out a $300,000 mortgage. Uh, you've got other debts uh, maybe that equal um, four or $500,000. And then we look at replacing your income uh, for your surviving spouse. Uh, and, and you fall very, very short of what's required to replace you. Have you ever put value on yourself? What are you worth? Now, here's where the women are going to love this. Normally, it takes more money to replace a woman. And, and there's a whole lot of truth to that. It sounds um, maybe chauvinistic for me to say this, but uh, it, it's not, and it's not intended to be. So, around the house, what does the woman normally do? Now, please don't bombard me with, well, Jay, that's not, you know, that's, that's improper to say. I'm just saying, women, we consider them the caretakers of the children. And in a household, I truly believe, I've raised five kids, that a woman does more than me uh, in regards to taking care of the kids. Yeah, I drive them to school or I take them to football practice or I pick them up from cheerleading, whatever it is. Uh, and yeah, I could cook meals and yeah, I could do some laundry. But I'm telling you, um, the woman probably is more involved um, in, in the child raising. It's just, it's just kind of the way it falls. Um, same thing with, with household duties. You know, the guy takes care of the outside. Right, we mow the yard, we rake the leaves, we, you know, we, we take care of the you know tree limbs. We that's what we do, right? Uh, and then we just kind of say, well, the woman takes care of the house. Once again, please, uh, this is not meant to be chauvinistic. Um, but if you put a price tag on what the woman does versus what the man does in a typical household, the woman is worth more money to replace. Child care care of the home, food preparation. 
I'm telling you. Now, I've been in this business for a quarter of a century, and I know, I know things have changed. There are more people, more women in the workforce now than when I started uh, in the financial planning arena. But I think, just based on my personal experience and my family and, and those that, that I see, things haven't changed a whole lot as far as uh, duties and responsibilities that just come natural um, to those things. I look at one of my daughters who they have three children. Um, she does about 30 times more than her husband does. You know, he goes to work and he comes home. She gets up, gets gets ready, cooks their meals, does their breakfast, does their homework, make sure everybody's got all their stuff, make sure they take their medications, all that, run them to school, come back and work all day, stop at uh, 2.50 in the afternoon so she can leave to go get them. If they got practice, making sure they get to practice, bring them back home. Meantime, she's taking care of the house, taking care of the laundry, all while working a job. And she is worth about 30 times more than her husband. I'm not saying her husband is worthless. I'm just saying he don't do nothing compared to what she does. Not even, not even remotely close. So with that being said, uh, what are you worth? Okay. Now, let me get back to, to this, this question of what, how, how do you prioritize? I've got to eliminate my debt but yet at the same time, make sure that I've got at least the foundation and an emergency, uh, the foundation of my financial plan and an emergency fund s- starting um, or at least, you know, making progress towards uh, accumulating f- money in your emergency fund. And, and my response is it depends on how much debt you're in, what kind of debt it is, what is the, the uh, interest rate on the debt. You know, if it's a mortgage uh, and you're paying two and a half, three, three and a half, four percent, I don't get as alarmed as I do if you're paying 18 to 24 percent on a credit card, unsecured debt. I've got problems with that. Uh, We may be more aggressive in eliminating that debt. Maybe uh, here's the thing. People say, well, it's got to be one for one, Jay. It's, you know, it's either insurance or paying off the debt. And I say, why isn't anything else in in the options? how much are you paying for your cell phone? How much are you paying for your Wi-Fi? How much are you paying for your your, your cable uh, television? How much are you paying for your satellite? How much are you paying for your car? Right? How many times do you go out to eat a week? Did you go on spring break? Did you take the family on the uh, summer vacation? Where did you go? Y'all went to Disney. It cost you three or $4,000 to go for a week. That's where we probably need to look as far as access to funds to pay down the debt. Okay. Now, I just became very unpopular with a lot of people that may be listening to this this podcast. Like, I'm not giving up my my Comcast or my Dish satellite. You know, I'm not doing that. We des- we work hard. We deserve uh, to go to Disney. Well, people, I'm telling you, you can't have it both ways. If you have debt, that ain't somebody else that put you in debt. That's you that put yourself in debt, right? Now, some some things you can't control. Maybe that debt is is medical bills. I empathize and sympathize with that. But the reality is, it's debt, and if you don't pay it, it's going to collections. That's that's the reality of it. So you may have to buckle down and get serious about eliminating that high interest debt. Okay. Then once that's attacked, all right, then we can maybe be more aggressive on the emergency fund. But I'm telling you, people, I would not. 
do a one-for-one. Well, it's either uh, I I buy uh, some term insurance or I pay off my debt. No, you need to buy the insurance, whether it's term insurance or whatever it is. You've got to buy it. You wouldn't go without car insurance, would you? Why Why would you not? Because it's it's required. It's it's You've got to have... I would love to see uh, life insurance uh, have the same mandate that car insurance does. So that your family doesn't become a, a, uh, a drag on the government. That's, that's pretty, pretty rough to say, but that, that's kind of what happens. Um, so anyways, to answer the question, to answer the question, do I attack debt first before I start my financial plan or do I start my financial plan and then attack debt? My opinion is you, you start your financial plan. Now you've got, you've got to do the best you can, okay? Purchase uh, as much insurance as you can that, that your, your fact find revealed that you needed, right? So let's say the fact find revealed that you needed a million and a half dollars of, of insurance to replace you. And you said, you know, the premium may be, I'm just going to use a number. Everyone is different. Let's say it's $50 a month or $75 a month um, for a 20-year term insurance policy. And listen, I'm, I'm just giving a blanket statement here. This is not what I'm recommending. Uh, but you say, I just can't come up with that. Then I say, you need to look elsewhere. What, where can you cut some cost? Some people eat out seven days a week. Seven days a week. I know a lot of uh, uh, life insurance professionals that say, you know, for the cost that you uh, uh, are paying for a, a pumpkin spice latte, okay, at Starbucks, which is about $6, right? That's $180 a month. Do you know, you know, a, a 30-year-old, how much term insurance that you could buy if, if you're a non-smoker and relatively healthy for $180 a month? You're, you, I mean, it, it, it would blow your mind how much you could actually purchase. So would you give up a pumpkin spice latte to make sure that your family is provided for? Rather than saying, well, I just can't buy the insurance yet because another person on the radio says I need to pay off my debt first. You know, I, I went to a program uh, uh, on on how to manage debt or budget, and they say you got to pay off your debt first. And I'm saying that that, that it, to me is is a, a borderline insanity as far as the approach. Because what if you don't live long enough to pay off your debt? Well, then your surviving spouse, children, family members, your estate is responsible for that secured debt, right? And your executor or your trustee is going to have to deal with it. That's that's just fact. It doesn't go away. So, financial plan comes first. Financial plan, the, fir- the building block that you have to attack first is the protection planning, which is insurance, right? The second thing is the emergency fund. Can you do both at the same time? Yes, but you cannot, st- I, I do not recommend starting the emergency fund without starting the, the protection planning first. That has to be the first step, Right? So what if you say, well, you know, I, I have $150 available to my budget and the, the, the building block of my financial plan, Jay, is going to cost me and my wife um, $120 a month. All right, well, it's going to cost you $120 a month because that's the most important thing. Then you take that additional $30, don't go spend it on pumpkin spice lattes, start throwing it into an emergency fund. 
$30. All right. And then we look elsewhere in your budget that you can actually eliminate some things, eliminate some things so that you could be a little bit more aggressive on creating that emergency fund. All right. Because we haven't even gotten into the, 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 you know, step three and four of the financial plan, which is qualified and non-qualified investing. Right? You understand me? You with me? So, with that being said, I hope I answered your question today. What is the priority? Debt elimination or starting a financial plan? Which would be the, the building block would be the, the, the protection planning. The answer is you've got to start that protection planning first. All right. Then when we're looking at funding the emergency uh, fund, we look at the the type of debt that you have, the amount of debt that you have, okay, and eliminate that. And as we eliminate that, we replace the amount that was going towards that unsecured debt. You know, if you're paying $75 or $100 or $200 a month for that unsecured debt that was 18% or 20% or whatever it may be, then we take that amount of money and also direct that to the emergency fund until it is funded to a comfort level of maybe two, three, four, five, six months of income. Once you hit that level, then we start step three. All right. Step three, which is qualified investing, depending on your age. All right. Depending on your age. We don't, we're not, we're not talking about qualified investing uh, for someone who's 75. Okay. I'm talking about pre-retirement years. So I hope that helps. Uh, there may be people disagree. That's fine. You, you know, financial planning uh, uh, is isn't an exact science. There's a people with a whole lot of uh, uh, opinions on certain things. Uh, I'm just bringing 25 years in in this uh, profession, uh, and then and then comparing that or aligning it with with scripture on avoiding debt. Uh, you know, we look at First Timothy five eight. You know, providing for the family. That's critical. Um, avoiding debt. Uh, you know, people say the scripture says that you can't have debt. The scripture doesn't say that. It just says it's not good. You know, you, the, 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 the borrower is slave to the lender. That You're going to have problems with it. Uh, and, and it can influence uh, you physically and emotionally because of the stress of, of debt. Um, I, I'll, I'll finish this podcast with this question. Okay? Because I think it's critical. Because if, if you... If you if your answer is no, then you need some immediate help. All right. Here's the question: If your income stopped, if your income stopped, could you survive and pay all of your bills for the next thirty days? All right. Without without dipping into your four hundred one k or taking a loan against your four hundred one k, could you pay your bills, food? Mortgage, car insurance, automobile payments, uh, you know, Wi-Fi, cell phone, all of it. Have you ever figured up how much you actually pay a month? Right? My question to you is, could you pay all of your bills? Right? Not, not part of them. All of your bills. If your income stopped today. If you say, no, I couldn't do that. People, you got problems. That, that, that is a problem. That means your budget is out of whack. Okay? It means you have no emergency fund. It, it, it probably means that you have more debt than you can, than you can actually uh, uh, carry or, or comfortably carry. 
Okay, and I would say that you're probably on on a, somewhat of a stress level right now, um, concerned about you know things, uh, but you got a spending problem, right? People say, "No, I got an income problem." No, 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 that's not true. It's not an income problem; it's a spending problem. Okay, you understand that the, the average income across the world is about three hundred dollars a month. Three hundred dollars a month. Now, if those people could do it. We could do it, all right? We could do it. So I'm going to close there. If you need help, if you have questions, if you just you know need some some prayer uh, in this, or maybe some guidance uh, on um, you know what to uh, basically how to get started um, in attacking some of these issues, because procrastination is the is probably the biggest cancer of financial independence. All right. So when I say financial independence, some people say, well, that, that, that is blasphemy. No, when I'm saying financial independence, financial independence means that you can serve the kingdom without debt robbing God. That's financial independence. You can find my contact information, kingdomplanadvisory.com, kingdomplanadvisory.com. You're welcome to call us at 888-226-7614. If you need prayer, shoot me a direct message. God bless you and hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Revolutionary Stewardship. I encourage you to visit KingdomPlanAdvisory.com to read our latest articles and sign up for our monthly newsletter. If you would like to arrange a free stewardship consultation, please schedule on our website or you may call 888-226-7614. Securities offered through Vanderbilt Securities LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, and registered with MSRB. Advisory services offered through Vanderbilt Advisory Services. God bless.